Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Melissa Kirscher and Wendy Bowlesby. to another daily recap of Fantastic Fest here at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I am one of your co-hosts, Wendy, joined as always by my faithful companion, Melissa. And we also have a special guest star this episode. For the first time joining us, we have Jessica Cargill. Yay! 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 So this is very exciting. Yes. Um, Jessica is a good friend of ours. Another, another another female movie lover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's honored to be a part of this. She lives down here in Austin and is a bee natter and a fantastic fester. And, and a convergencer. And convergencer and is married to our friend C. Robert Cargill. All the shenanigans. But yes. All the shenanigans. <laughs> All right. So, listeners, this was day... Uh, six. Six. It's Tuesday. You can tell it's far into yeah. the past when we don't know what day it is. I have no idea what day it is. Two, 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 six. Two, six. Yep. And uh, so the day started off uh, pretty strong. It was a day both Melissa and I were looking forward to. We'd mm-hmm. gotten a great slate of films. Unfortunately... Melissa's cold. I am so sick. Oh. I am so sick, guys. Oh, in between movies, I was crawling into my car and sleeping. It's like, eh, the next movie is 45 minutes away. I can I can sleep for 15. Oh. Oh. <coughs> I, have, I, have, I have such, I have such sad, sad sympathy for my podcast pal, Melissa. I blame you. Poor victim you can of blame, You can blame me. She's blaming me, listeners, and she can. I owe her whiskey. I owe her whiskey and in, in, in some sort of sad germ guilt. But if I get sick, I'm totally blaming you. Oh, that no, that's totally fair. But, well, but apparently you, know, you would still blame me. It would me. still go <laughs> then, back to Wendy. Then it's Wendy's fault. Yeah. Uh, not German guilt, germ guilt. Let's germ guilt. clarify it's not a racial thing. Yeah. Anyway, um, or ethnic. Yeah, because we're all Caucasian, so that's ethnicity. So let's start with our first slot of the day. Jessica, you didn't get to the fest for the first slot, right? No, this is a lame day. I'm, I'm on here on my lame day when I, I didn't make it to the first screen. Oh, it's all good. That's not so, lame. So uh, just so you, that's why Jessica's not going to necessarily have seen a movie this first round. But round one for me was remake, remix, ripoff, which is the Turkish documentary that Melissa saw earlier in mm-hmm. the week and very much enjoyed. And I have to tell you, listeners, if you can, this film is making the rounds in circuits. If you see it, go, go, just yes. go. It is. It's not a perfect documentary. Like I was talking to Brian Beam afterwards, like um, in terms of like really well-made documentaries will keep you really super engaged in terms of the story and stuff. And it's it's um, it's it might be a little dry, a little historical for you. I was fully engaged and it does what a good documentary should do, which is it made me curious to know more. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I fucking have to see the man who saved the world now. Yes, you do. Ah, Like I just did. 
Yes. <laughs> what did well, you see in the first slot, Melissa? I, I saw Men and Chicken, which you saw earlier. Yes! Yay! Men and Chicken, was, which was delightful. Micken! Micken! I now <laughs> have seen a Micken. I don't know what that is, but I can't wait to find out tomorrow when I see that at, like, 5.15. Yes! Yes! And then, and then Jessica, Jessica, too, will be going... Again. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it sounds fun. So. <laughs> uh, yes, it's uh, it's it's delightful. It is strange. Um, Mads Mikkelsen does comedy. Um, I forget the actor who plays the lead. Like his his his, his, uh, his older brother. The older brother. Um, it's not Emil, but uh, I can't remember. Elias. Elias. And uh, but I've seen that actor before. But you know those guys. They're just great. They and they play off each other so well, and everybody's like, "Yay, Mads Mikkelsen!" And I say that simply because I don't know all the other actors' names, but everybody else in that movie is also really good. Yes. So it's like when I say "Yay, Mads Mikkelsen," what I mean is, "Yay, all those actors whose names I don't know." Hi. They're high caliber comedic actors. They, yeah. It's all really well done. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's basically. Um, <laughs> Two two brothers find out they're a part of a German hillbilly family, and they go to, to <laughs> find their other three brothers, and and yeah. hijinks ensue. It is the discovery of self, yes, and identity, and what what your true identity is. Yes, we could go deep, or you can just say Micken. Micken. Okay, <laughs> I see where this is going. <laughs> I think <laughs> round two. Round All right, two. So here's the deal. Listener, so right after round one, uh, I ran into Melissa. Let's hang on to your story. Yes, but I ran into Melissa, and she's like, oh, God, I got to take a nap. And Jerry was off. I went to find Jerry, and Jerry was fully entrenched with his arcading. And, like, he was, like, doing a panel in Mm -hmm. Theater 3, and I went in for a little bit, but they were, like, really nerding out about game structures. And I'm like, sorry, this is not my bag. So I went outside. And sat down in the sun to just be like, you know what, I'm just going to sit here. And, of course, I got into a conversation with a woman just sitting next to me Uh about movies. By the way, that woman also saw The Assassin, but she made sense of it. Wow. She was, like, telling me. I'm like, how did you figure that out? She's like, well, it was clear with this, this, and this. I'm like, I couldn't figure that out. And so I looked at her. I'm like, what was with the woman in the mask? Fuck if I know. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I felt vindicated. Nice. And so I was all alone before round two. And then... Things change, but we'll talk about that later. Melissa, what yes, did you see? Yes, we're we're, sa- we're saving your round two fate for the end because that's very special. Um, I saw Anomalisa, which you saw earlier. <laughs> yes, which is the new Charlie Kaufman thing. Mm-hmm. Um, fan- phenomenal. Um, it's a uh, d- just a brief recap. It is puppets um, playing out what is essentially a very mundane story. Yes, but it's elevated by just the artistry of how they deal with the puppets. Yeah. Like the the gestures that they make with and the, the puppets, sound and you, design. the sound design, the and the sound of walking on carpet in a hotel room—they capture that perfectly, and you don't even realize it until you think about it later and think those were puppets. Mm-hmm. That was all so real and so true to life. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I mean, did you have a couple of moments like I did where you kind of forgot you were watching a puppet? Oh, there, when he wakes up and answers the phone, it's like is that a Per, that that's a real person no that no that's a puppet yeah and uh oh and, it, it oh, just and amazing the scene in the office with the little tr- with, with the with, little it, golf cart take the golf cart <laughs> <laughs> watch yeah, out I, for well, the meeting the sunken <laughs> meeting <laughs> don't make me laugh i'm sorry <laughs> and everybody is tom noonan 
everybody in the world is Tom Noonan. <laughs> even even the little kid. <laughs> even the little kid is Tom Noonan. Even the wife is Tom Noonan. Everybody, everybody is, is Tom, Tom Noonan. Noonan. It's... Which which I secretly did suspect about the world, but yeah, I now, think, now I feel I'm... like we found we found a universal truth. Oh yes, everybody, Tom Noonan. <laughs> <laughs> you may not know it, but you're Tom Noonan too. Oh my God, sweet. <laughs> so, so yeah, Anomalisa. I'm sure because it's a Charlie Kaufman that it will get released at some point. It'll, I, I it, it'll probably do the art house circuit. Yeah, and I, that's not going to open wide. It's, no, but I if don't you can see that making money, if you can no, find release. it, do seek it out. Like, go to your video store and ask about it. If you have an awesome video store, such as Video Universe, mm-hmm. the most awesome video store in the universe, which is in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. Um, if you have a great video store near you, I'm sure that they will get it. Yeah. As an Austinite, I need to plug great Austin video stores, too. Yes, you do. Vulcan Video Ooh. and I Love Video. Okay. Yes. And I have, I do know about those. I haven't been there yet, so I cannot speak from experience, but I am looking forward to it because <laughs> I'm a new watch tonight. So, uh, Jessica, what did you see in round two? I saw the super secret screening. Yes. Secret screening, secret screening. What was it? What was it? Dangerous Men. Okay. Okay. 1979? It, I believe it was filmed in... I want to say they started in 84. Okay. It was filmed continuously for over 20 years. Okay. By one man who did everything. The credits are great. It's directed by, written by, produced by, and it just keeps (laughs) flashing up. Same guy. Uh Uh-huh. Did everything, and it was a labor of love. He did... It wasn't just that he started and then put it down for five years and then got back to it. No, he worked on this. For over 20 years. Wow. Okay, that makes me a little bit more interested in it. He did everything himself. It shows. Ah, oh my. <laughs> it's, a, it's a thing. It is such a thing. Did, did he Breen it? Is it Breen? Is I it very th- Breen? I thought of Breen the whole time. Ah, yes. <laughs> I, I have to say he's a better filmmaker. Okay. Oh. Oh. That's good. Um, it would be hard to be worse. It's... True. It's... It suffers from some of the same amateur problems, but not to the same extent, and it is more engaging. Okay. Okay. Um, whereas right. Green's film got pretty boring yeah. after you got over laughing at the computers and the, just the <laughs> insanity yeah. of it and all. The, the government secrets. <laughs> yes. This is more engaging. Okay. Um, it does have the most... I, I don't want to be mean. It has the most interesting soundtrack. <laughs> Ever. He, did he do his own? I'm pretty sure he did. Wow. And if you went to the screening day, you got a cassette tape of the soundtrack. A cassette tape? Oh. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I, I had to laugh, too, because I was sitting right next to Alan, and at the end he said, I want this soundtrack. And I said, I don't think I could ever hear that again. <laughs> and then we walked out, and they handed us the soundtrack. <laughs> and, and Alan was happy. I'm sure he was. And it's... It's amazing, and I want to make him promise that he's going to nerd rap to it next year. Oh, yes! That would be yes. great! Um, yes. But when you hear it, you'll know what I mean, and it's the same thing over and over and over again through <laughs> the whole movie. It's really, really loud. And, yeah, the, the, it has sound problems throughout the movie. There's times when they've obviously filmed it in a, a crowded restaurant, and it's you see a couple sitting at a, table, at a table, and it's silent, and then one of them speaks, and suddenly you hear all the background noise yeah. with them, and then silence, and then 
speaking with the background noise. And yeah. It's that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And it's it's very much that. It doesn't... The acting is not good. Mm-hmm. The story is not amazing. But it's such a labor of love. And you can just... You can see it on the screen. You can tell these someone they really loved this and put a right. lot of work into it and ultimately pulled it off. It's... It is a complete movie. Yeah. Yep. Which a lot of people never get that far. And it's something that... I would say it's like something you've never seen, but you two have seen stuff like this. <laughs> Breen is... It's in that vein of Breen's work. It's also... Um, if you saw... Um, the, the astrologer? The astrologer. The astrologer. It's very much oh. like... The Astrologer. Yeah. So if you saw that, um, Zach Carlson also compared it to Miami Connection. Yeah. He said it's like if those if those two combined. So if they had some kind of strange, twisted baby that took, you know, 24 years to grow up, there you go. This is this movie. <laughs> okay. That's amazing. I'm very, I'm sad I missed that, actually. I think you would have really enjoyed it. I would that. have. It I was fun. Have. It was, it's... As it turns out, something there, to see with an audience. Yes. There would have been an extra seat because I didn't go to my ticket for the secret screening. So I got back mm-hmm. and Melissa was apparently napping again. Um, yep. So I haven't seen. This is the first time I've seen you since this well, morning. It's true, and because I missed been, you, my friend. I've been either watching a movie or comatose. And I've been watching them alone because I'm trying not to sit next to people. I'm trying yeah. not to spread. I'm, I'm like quarantining myself where I can. <laughs> you're, you're such a good person. Aww. I try. So um, before the third round movie, uh-huh. I went to find Jerry because it is Jerry Belich's birthday. <laughs> frequent podcast friend of ours. And I went and found him and I'm like, Jerry, it's your birthday. I'm going to buy you a drink. And he's like, well, I will let you. So we go to the bar and he's ordering and he's being very, I want a hoppy beer. Oh, let me taste that. Um, what about that one? Well, what about that? Let me, let me think, which one do I want? And I'm like, come on, Jerry, I'm buying you your birthday drink. And so the guy takes my card and he comes back. He's like, it's your birthday. That one's on the house. And Jerry's like, yay, turns to me. You still owe me a drink. <laughs> Because Jerry. Because Jerry. And we sat in a booth at the highball. I never get a booth at the highball. So twice today. Yeah. And Harry Knowles comes by and Ray came by and we had a chat and it was delightful. And then... um, and then we all and then we all went to see the too late. Then it was time yeah. to go into too late. All three of us got to see too late today. Yes. Okay. So too late is a um, uh, yeah. quick quick amusing anecdote. So Jessica was in boarding group A. Yep. Jerry and I were both like CD, and so Jessica's like, I will try to hold a seat for both of you, one on each side, plus holding for Cargill who wasn't around, and so. We find so she goes in first. I and we wait a little bit, and then Jerry and I go in, and they're like, "Yeah, we're seating." And so we go in, and I sit down next to Jessica, and I I then check my text, and there's a text from her that says, "The sharks are circling your seats." <laughs> <laughs> I just love the image of that. Like, are those seats taken? Are those seats? Are those seats yes, taken? I always imagine the music Are those seats taken? <laughs> no, I'm holding them. Are you sure? <laughs> so anyway, we all got to see too late. Which yes. is John Hawks, who, uh, what else? Uh, um, John Hawks is a face you remember. He was an American gangster. He was in, um, oh, now I'm going to blank again. But uh, the, 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 I think the main thing I know him from is American gangster. But uh, he's, he's a Minnesota boy. Yeah. He's from Alexandria. Is he? I yeah, he is. Know that. He is. Um, I can't remember the name of the director, but 
the too late is Hulk. this. I know the last name was Hauk. Hauk, you're right. Um, <clears throat> too late is a movie. It's kind of a, a modern noir. It's filmed on 35. It's being presented on 35. They're insisting on releasing it in 35 millimeter. Yes. Um, it's got that that very 70s look and feel to it, even though it's set in the modern day. You know, people have cell phones and stuff. Although the cell and phones are out of date. Cell phones are I a little out like of date. I felt like it was a little period. And yeah. actually, somebody asked about that in the first showing. I saw this movie twice. I liked it so much. Uh-huh. And he said that um, when they started filming it, those phones were not so out of date. So ah. it's, it ah. wasn't intended to be as period oh, as it looked. That's right. It took them like five years to make the movie. Yeah, they started okay. filming in, I want to say, like uh, at least five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, dear listeners, the, the story is told in five parts. Each of the five parts is made in one shot. Like each each of the segments is one reel of film. And it's twenty about 20 minutes long. Yeah. And there's even a thing in the credits that says, like, basically, I solemnly swear there are no hidden cuts. There are no hidden cuts. If there is a cut, you know it. And uh, each of the segments is its own encapsulated story. They all feed into each other. They it all... tells a full arc, yeah. but it but it is definitely like almost like a play in that each one ha- is a full act unto itself, where something plays out and is completed the way it does in a good theatrical production. Yeah. Now I will tell you, listeners, I didn't even notice that each of those was a single unbroken shot until after the movie when I saw the credit thing, and then I'm like, oh, it really was because. For all that it is technical, technically amazing that he did that, it is not the kind of movie where that becomes the point of it. Right. Like, this is a row. I can't even... Go see the movie. Yeah, it's so, really phenomenal. It's so good. It is. It's, <laughs> it's very John Cassavetes, really. Um, <clears throat> yeah? It's got that 70s drama sort of feel, and... Um, it's Tarantino-esque in that sense of most of these scenes play out like these are the scenes that happen in between the main scenes of a film noir. Yeah, and that they're it's the, not linear. The, whole, the hallway conversations, the yeah. yeah, and and that's part of having and it all script, be one shot. The script is super snappy dialogue. Yeah, like, very yeah. good. Like him and Jill, mm-hmm. Jill and Mal together when they're talking, I'm in love. <laughs> oh my god. Love it. And I love that actress because I keep seeing her pop up and I find her really interesting. She was in, um, <laughs> I didn't recognize her at first and then realized that she was in um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, oh. she's in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She's also in Dollhouse. Is she? Yeah, oh, okay. she is. That's where I first saw her and so that's why she keeps popping up in Whedon-related things. Because I think she's one of those actors that Whedon likes. That makes sense. <coughs> she's so really great. I'm glad to see her start making a few more rounds. Um, other things that John Hawks has done. He was in Lincoln. He was mm-hmm. in From Dust Till Dawn. Yay! Yes, he was. He was in The Playroom, The Sessions, uh, Contagion, uh, Martha Martha Mercy, Mary, that horror thing. I can't remember all the M Martha names Martha Mercy, there. May Marlene. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, he, was was in, <laughs> he was in Winter's Bone and Law. He did some stuff in Law. He got he got um, an actor nomination for Winter's Bone and uh, supporting actor. Eastbound and Down. That's I where think, a lot of people would yeah. recognize him too. Yep. Um, he's one of those uh, craggy faced actors who's just so fucking interesting to watch. You always find yourself watching him. Yeah. And he's so charismatic in this, and really just fucking likable. There's this. There's this scene where this woman is offering him all kinds of different drugs, and they're very. Do you want to drink? Yes. 
would you like some, what did she offer him, like cocaine? Uh, painkillers. I think do, she offers him painkillers, which you, he actually could have probably used at the time. Yeah. Yeah, as you find out, it's like, do you want a drink? Yes, I'll take a drink. Would you like a painkiller? No, thank now. you. Uh, not just now. Um, what about some cocaine? Nope, that's not my poison. I have a little more chat. It's like, uh, what about, and she's like, what about some weed? I think you have a winner. <laughs> and I just love, and that was the moment when I was like, I like this guy. I really, I like the way he talks. I like his rhythm. And he was so warm with her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In that, in that scene. I he, liked all of the characters, actually. He has a nice way of being warm in the movie, but without seeming fake. Yeah. Like of talking, chatting people up without seeming like he's being smarmy. Yeah. And because he's sort of your uh, hard-bitten P.I., you're used to seeing that be hard-bitten and very cold. Mm-hmm. And he's the opposite, which I really love. Yeah. Like he, he's really, really fucking direct with people. Maybe he needed a new line of work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or some life changes. <laughs> so um, I, it's, I wonder if this is going to get a bigger release. I feel like it well, ought to. Well, it'll probably tour first in 35. Yeah, because oh yeah, because of the thirty-five thing. They have actually. Um, the director was saying that they have been offered distribution that they have turned down because they're not willing to do uh, day and date. You know that they they won't let it release on video at this on um, digitally at oh, the same yeah. time, and so people have offered them like VOD, that kind of thing, and they. Will only let it be released digitally if it's already played. In uh, thirty-five, and so they have he's to have a, someone willing a, to do that, and they haven't found that yet. He's but a thirty-five millimeter will. evangelist. What are you going to do? Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I get it. I do. I get it. Um, so yeah, and I got. I actually got a T-shirt from the movie because yeah. I asked a question afterwards. I asked uh, what, what scene was the biggest pain in the ass to shoot because they're shooting for 20 minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. And there was even one guy before me who was like, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like, and I've done some of that stuff. And like, how hard was it matching up stuff to do those hidden cuts? And he's like, no, I didn't do any hidden cuts. In fact, it's and that's what kind of makes it hard because you you shoot it several times. It's like, well, but in this one, that that moment worked better. But overall, I like this one better. I could just, oh, I could just splice that. It was so good. That mo- ah, and having to just let it go and, yeah. and pick the best one. And yeah, which which scene did he say he hated the most? Was it a... Uh, well, he said the one well, that was diffi- physically difficult was the one at the drive-in because of the stairs and the steady oh, cam yeah. operators and they had, had to, have, to deal with that. They had two steady cam operators because it was so exhausting running back and forth and the stairs that they actually, as they rehearsed it, would hand off. Like like halfway through the scene, they hand it off to a second steady cam operator like, ah, oh, dude, you take it. Take the baton. Finish the race. <laughs> I thought that I found that fascinating. Me too. That's really interesting. And just the technical things of doing this thing that you don't necessarily think about if you don't make movies. Right. Especially if you don't try to do a 20-minute yeah. scene without a cut. <laughs> Well, you haven't gotten to see much more The, the, the most, well, not, I can't talk very much either. But um, the the scene that really dazzled me was the uh, the you know the very first one where they really had to uh, get some special lenses. He said it was a military grade lens that they had to use because they're doing stuff 
like they're doing these close-ups with people in this park and then at one point one character calls another who's in the city down below the park and the camera literally zooms in on the house she's calling and uh to the person answering the phone and it's like a mile away from where the camera is so to be able to handle the close-up stuff and that sort of zoom it had to be a very special lens yeah and that, it was really that scene that that was, was a really clever it, the, the way it, it was really impressive timing that where like you saw one character down below and then later that character comes into the scene so he must have gotten into a car and driven up there while the rest of the scene was going on and yeah it yeah it's amazing oh the actress we've been talking about is uh Dichen Lachman listeners uh D-I-C-H-E-N L-A-C-H-M-A-N. I may be mispronouncing her name. So uh, uh, seek her out because she's super great. Mm -hmm. um, Jeff Fahey yep. was Roger. I couldn't tell because of his damn hat. <laughs> <laughs> huh. But Robert For Robert Forster. Yeah, Robert Yay. Forster from Jackie great. Brown. And, yeah, yeah, he was great. And well, uh, Natalie Z from Justified. That's <laughs> an appearance. Yeah, she was good. She was fun. Yeah, she really was. Dennis Houck is the director. Okay. So, and this is first film, too. Like, motherfucker, are you kidding me? Yeah, he hit it out <laughs> of the park on his first feature. Yeah, pretty Yeah, amazing. so Too Late too late is definitely one of the best of the fest. Yes. Um, so then the, Melissa went for another nap. I went for another nap. Then I woke up and I got to see The Man Who Saved the World. And how was that? That was awesome. <laughs> okay, so The Man Who Saved the World is another one of the Turkish offerings, one of the Turkish yes. revival movies that they have here, the last one. And, uh, <laughs> excuse me. Um, okay, so it was made in the 80s, which is very clear because they stole the soundtracks to uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and Star Wars very heavily. Like, not like used those soundtracks like took the lp for star wars and played it over the the soundtrack of the movie and not only that they they stole actual you know clips from star wars and spliced them in <laughs> to the movie or they play them behind the screens of act in front on, of actors and the actors would act in front of them yeah <laughs> i saw just a little bit about this in remake remix and that's why i was like that's playing at the festival. Well, shit. Now I want to see it because well, it yeah. looks just bonkers. <laughs> it is. <coughs> Pardon me. I'm sick. If you haven't noticed. So <laughs> the the guy who plays the lead is kind of like the combination Clark Gable Bruce Lee of Turkey, <laughs> which means he did a lot of, you know, romance wink and stuff and uh, punching people in the head. And uh, the way he would defeat space monsters would be to, like, karate chop both their arms off and then use their arms to stab them to death. Or he'd pull their heads off and then throw the head at another monster, at which time, when it reached the other monster, it would explode like a grenade. Oh, yay! Um, there, there's convenient a, that they were... There's a training of heads. I know, right? Um, there is a training montage that is set to, um, I believe, the soundtrack to the original Battlestar Galactica, where um, it's two guys. They're training by punching rocks, <laughs> and and like tying rocks to themselves and walking around with rocks tied to their ankles, like big. And and it ends with 
the main guy karate chopping a boulder in half, which then explodes like a grenade. And, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, oh, it, it just keeps amping up the crazy. It, it's really amazing. Um, every once in a while, the soundtrack to Flash Gordon pops up. It's like, name that soundtrack. It's, it, <laughs> It's well, so much fun. What That'd I be saw, a fun drinking game. Oh yeah. What I saw in the in the um, documentary today is because their technology was so limited, especially in terms of like sound mixing, they would loop all the actors so they wouldn't have to bother with recording the sound on set. So they would just be talking on set, like, "No, do this. No, do this. Now say your line." Okay, now do this. So they're like yeah. old silent movies, and then they would go into a sounding record a sound room. All the actors would be there, gathered around one mic. There'd be a Foley guy making what other, whatever other like ambient sounds needed to be made. And they would just start playing records behind so that there would be a soundtrack. Yep. That's the way music got added is that basically the actors are listening to it in the room. They didn't, they didn't mix anything. They just recorded one track and it was everybody at once. Everybody wow. at once. And so yeah. that means when you hear them like change sound cues suddenly that's probably them just changing records yeah they, they just pick the needle up and you know flip the record <laughs> over and put it down somewhere else oh my god it's, yeah it's wild picturing that is just so crazy to me all right um we gotta keep moving because <laughs> yep. i have an eleven thirty movie yes um so while you were seeing that jess and i were seeing the witch which jessica and i both really like awesome tell us about it um uh, Us being the royal we. Yeah. Uh, it is, it's not a horror. It is no. more of a moody, atmospheric, tense drama. Drama, yeah. I wouldn't even call it a thriller necessarily. Nope. But it, it's uh, very atmospheric. A creepy drama. Yeah, creepy drama is good. Um, so uh, imagine the Crucible if there really was witchcraft. Nice. So they did take all of the language. It is, the language is a little bit. It's a little bit of a barrier. It's not as bad as full-on Shakespeare, but it is a little bit more of that sort of formal it's, language. It's colonial English. And yeah. It's, and they, know, they have a... and thous and... They have a vaguely Scottish accent, so that sometimes gets in the way. But um, I didn't find it a problem to understand. And it's a family who the colony is like, you're a heretic because you're not believing in God the same way that we believe in God. Okay, they all believe in God, but you're not doing it like we are. <laughs> you're, not. You're, you're adding chocolate sprinkles to that vanilla. <laughs> you are banished. <laughs> so they banish this family and this family. So this family goes out into the middle of the fucking woods all by themselves and tries to, like, make a farm. And um, there really is a witch in the woods. This is not a spoiler. There really is a witch in the woods. You figure that out pretty damn quick. Well, you know, the title is The Witch. Yeah. And but it could have been metaphorical. Or... True. True. So, but much like The Crucible, which I feel like everybody should should know, so fuck you if you don't, and go, go watch it if you haven't. Um, it's very much about the increasing paranoia and the increasing finger pointing of what's going on, except that the overall theme is much more about the young like barely pubescent daughter and how she becomes the focal point and how very obviously it is partially because she is a ripe young woman uh -huh. and she is old enough to take responsibility but not old enough to be treated with the respect of an adult mm -hmm. right and she's a girl yeah and so as shit starts going down because there's really a fucking witch in the woods 
um, the family just starts tearing itself apart and the the way it plays out is so fucking satisfying in a really horrible way. Just, <laughs> like, I was kind of rooting for the devil at the end. I'm just going to say it. All right. All right. So what were your thoughts, Jess? You summed it up pretty well. I, I agree with you. I think I had heard that it was beautifully shot but didn't have a story. So I that tempered my initial excitement for it. I saw the trailer for it. That that looks beautiful. I want to see it. It's creepy. I like creepy. Um, the cinematography looks great. I was really excited, and then I heard a few people tell me that it looked pretty, but it didn't have a story. So I'm like, mm-hmm. well, okay, let me go see it and see what I think. I think they're on crack. I don't <laughs> understand why they don't think there's a story. There's clearly a story. It's not a complex story. It's pretty straightforward, actually. It's surprisingly straightforward. I thought it was going to be a lot twistier, or turnier, metaphorical, and it's really not. And that's what's great about it, is there is a story, it's a simple story, but if you think about it, it has layers to it, and it says a lot about things like gender politics and family dynamics and fear and spirituality and faith and dogma. You know, you can think, there's a lot of things to think about this as far as, you know, what do people's beliefs lead them to do? And not just their religious beliefs, but their beliefs about (coughs) people's parts in the family and the role of parents and children and men and women and that kind of thing. And you see this all play out. And that's really what's behind it. The witch is, there is a witch and that that is affecting things. (laughs) But a lot of it could have played out completely differently based on the way the family reacted to it. Right. And the, the story is about had, the way the family reacts to it. If the and family had come together and stood strong together, things would have done, gone probably differently. There's still a witch yep. who would have been, shit would have still been going down. But how it ultimately played out is because the, this, and when you think about it, when you are living in a culture where you are, con- you believe there is evil everywhere. You're going to find evil. Yeah. Because you believe it's everywhere, so that's what you're going to see. And it's it's just beautiful the way, yeah, it's a really well done, it's a smart script. I really like it. <laughs> All right, so All right. Um, we are going into round five. I am planning on seeing German angst. You will hear about that tomorrow, listeners, because Melissa is going to go to bed. Yes, but you should take just a couple minutes to tell so why your story. Why did I not go to round two listeners? Well, there I am as I told you, sitting out in the sun, having a delightful conversation with a random stranger about the assassin and she's explaining to me what I couldn't understand because it was whatever. When I get tapped on the shoulder by Ray Anderson who leans down and basically whispers in my ear, come with me if you want to live. Or may it be, come with me if you want something awesome to happen. What? She's she's like, I've had a bunch of people bail on this tour. So if you want to come, you can come, but you have to choose right now. And so I literally didn't have any time to be like, what? what, uh, what?" And and I'm like, and I'm like, secret screening, but repertory probably going to be released. Other chances. Yes, I'm going on this impromptu tour of. Uh, Troublemaker Studios, Robert Rodriguez Studio here in Austin. Yep. And I got to go. (laughs) And I got to see, like, props from Spy Kids, props from Machete. I got to see all beautiful posters. They got posters everywhere. They're just gorgeous. I got to stand on the stage of the Titty Twister Bar 
That is in From Dust Till Dawn. I might have done a little dance just so I could say I did. Um, I got to go you know, poking like around do. in the boneyard of their like props and junk. Like we go up, he's like, this is the boneyard. And me and the like, it's me and Ray and like five dudes. So me and Ray are representing the female population. Go us. And these five, and we're all, he's like, this is the boneyard. You can see this stuff. And one of the guys is like, can we, can we take pictures? Yeah. Well, yeah. Can, can we, can we go? go closer um uh yeah so we all like start and it's a it's like a junkyard and we're yeah. like poking around and there's junk laying everywhere and it's probably not safe and so he's standing out there while we're all like going woo, woo, and hunting. going in there and he's just and you keep hearing him be be careful <laughs> be careful don't sue us yeah, be careful like he said it like a half a dozen times it was kind of adorable <laughs> um and i got to take a picture in front of the charger from death proof nah. that zoe bell rides on the hood uh, oh, so cool. i got to see the little pussy wagon which by the way the interior of that is amazeballs uh-huh. and um the car from sin city and Robert Rodriguez owns some sweet rides, too. He's, he oh, had a yeah. couple of his personal cars there. I got to go into, oh, my God, the costume shop. <laughs> <laughs> like, we went in, and I, like, I'm just holding my hands together, like, holding myself together. And I'm just, like, and I am looking. I must have looked like a freak because I, everybody else is just sort of looking around, and I am, like, examining how they're organizing their their notions. I'm, like, oh, look at that. Oh, oh. And I'm, like, lean. Oh, oh, this is their trims. Oh, oh. And <laughs> I think I asked a question this guy had never heard. <laughs> so there was the, I go up to him and I'm like, uh, can I take a picture of the sewing machine? And he automatically, because it's in, he's like, no, no pictures in here. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> Don't give away their secret sewing machine. <laughs> he's like, the the sewing machine? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, like, that that one right there? Yeah, can I take a picture of that? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> And I got a picture of it, listeners, although he said something. He's like, well, I don't suppose that's going to show up on social media. So I don't know if I could share it, but it's the cool. If you're a seamstress like me, the design of it is so fucking smart. Like, it's so high end. I am I am having seamstress jealousy about this sewing machine. <laughs> and I got back and I showed it to Jerry. I'm like, Jerry, let me show you the sewing machine. And Jerry's made stuff. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, right. And he had told him and he's like, and he's like, well, of course you would want a picture of that. And I'm like, I feel like this guy doesn't understand there are people like us in the world. So like, <laughs> Look at that sewing machine. Sounds like seamstress porn. <laughs> it it yeah. really kind of, it's beautiful. I'll show, did I show you the picture? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's really, and it was black and it was curvy. It was sexy people. It was sexy. <laughs> and there was a needle that was so phallic doing what? Anyway. Well, we uh, was having you, a, a <laughs> sogasm. <laughs> if, you, if you can't share it on social media, you should do an interpretive drawing. I will. Okay. I will. And go. I will take a picture and we will post that on the website so yeah and this dude was so nice he was like the manager of the studio apparently and um yeah so i got i got an unexpected shenanigan and i it was exactly the kind of things that i'm always like if somebody asks you you say yes yes Yes. and i did and i'm i that was my shenanigan for the day so it was very exciting listeners so, yeah, you should come to Fantastic Fest because you never know what the hell's going to happen. It's absolutely true. All right. We're going to close out this episode. So, Melissa, I can go to my movie and Melissa can go home and get some rest and yeah. hopefully feel better tomorrow. I hope so. So oh, this boy. has been another recap of Fantastic Fest with Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I've been Wendy. That's been Melissa. We've been joined by. 
Jessica, thanks and, for having me. Yeah. Yay, and we will you. talk to you tomorrow. Yay, bye. Bye. It's a new cinema pleasure. Oh.